Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Creative control, creative control Comedy, art, and sometimes rock and roll Let's do a public opinion poll Raise your hand if you love creative control Cause when Vish is unleashed, well you... Oh, sorry, I didn't see you there I was just working on a tribute song to my favorite podcast, Creative Control, with Vish Khanna. My name is Matthias, and I play in a band called The Burning Hell, but more importantly, I support Creative Control on Patreon, and I think you should too. Quality long-form arts journalism is like a magical talking unicorn. It definitely exists, but it can be really hard to find. Fortunately for us, Vish makes it easy with hundreds of funny, thought-provoking, well-researched and engaging interviews with artists from all over the world. Your flexible monthly donation on Patreon will get you plenty of special exclusive treats and help Vish keep his podcast well-fed and cared for properly, the way a magical unicorn deserves. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. Jose Miguel Contreras is a super talented and beloved multi-instrumentalist, singer, recording engineer, songwriter, and producer based in Toronto, Ontario. Since 1989, Contreras has been the constant and driving force in By Divine Right, a fantastically joyous rock band whose rotating members have included Feist and people from Broken Social Scene and Holy Fuck, among others. The longest-running iteration of the band currently consists of Alicia Haugen, Jordi Dines, and Contreras, and Fortune Stellar Records released by Divine Rights' 11th album. I want to say it's 11. I did my best to count. I think it's the 11th album. They released that album, whatever it is, 11 or not, on uh, September 23rd, 2022. It's a double LP called Automato, and it prompted Jose to return to this podcast to discuss things like how Ontario cities are starting to look and feel like Jersey Shore. The time I reviewed a live By Divine Right show in St. John's, Newfoundland. Why the band has regained momentum it lost in 2016. The making and meaning behind the lovely and spirited songs on Automato. The Smiths, The Cure, and the Steve Miller Band. Why he loves Shotgun Jimmy, Future Plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you, who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com 
slash creative control, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 721 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Jose Contreras of By Divine Right, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Jose. How are you? Hi. Hi, Vish. I accidentally hit mute. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> when you, okay. When, when you said hi, but I heard it. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm great. I'm, um, it's nice. I'm still in my pajamas. Oh, well, that's, that's lovely. I'm not in my pajamas, and I'm earlier than you, I think. I'm two hours behind you, right? Are you in Toronto today? I'm in Toronto. Nice. How are things going in Toronto for you today? Um, today has been absolutely lovely. It's kind of chilly, uh, fall morning, and it's very mellow today for me. Do you know that it's supposed to be like 27 degrees Celsius in Edmonton today at the end of September? There you go, eh? That's, that's how it happens. It feels like my entire life things have been out of whack, so. Yeah. What is it, just for just to compare, what, how, what's the high supposed to be today in Ontario? I don't in, know. I'm not a... I don't know. I haven't talked to my mom yet. Right. So don't bum. Fair enough. Yeah, the weather is not that exciting. I don't usually pay attention either, but when it's freakishly hot yeah, in September, then you're just like, because like, I woke up, I'm like, why am I so hot? We sleep with the windows open, but I was like, it's hot. Too hot. And then uh, my <laughs> wife looked at her telephone and it said, oh yeah, it's supposed to be a scorcher. Anyway, just wondering, things are good in Toronto? Things are, you know, there there were lots of condos. It's very condo-y in Toronto. Oh, what I mean, and, uh, that's been the case for some time. Is it worse? It's worse. Yeah, in our hood where we live, like we live in a kind of like uptown, like St. Clair West. The last little corner of the core, apparently, is what it's called. Hmm. We wouldn't have called it that 20 years ago. We would have called it nowhere 20 yeah. years ago. Right. But um, now it's sort of like even where there's art studios in this neighborhood now. And, and um yeah, so many condos. And, you know, I mean, sort of culturally, it's, you know, like you asked how Toronto is, it's slowly turning into Jersey Shore. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think but, I never saw that show, uh, but I think I, know, I think I know what you mean. Uh, I know. We were, I've never saw that show either. We were joking about it the other day. And then just as we said it, and listen, I don't mean to judge people's wardrobe choices, but at that moment, this dude walked by with like frosted tips. We're not talking about a young guy either. Yeah. Frosted tips, sort of like pleather pants and like a a blouse that's got flames on it. Oh, wow. So totally. (laughs) Jersey Shore. Yeah, totally. Or like, and you know, last time I was in Guelph, I was like trying to describe to someone, because we did a little tour of Ontario in March, how intense. Mm -hmm. It just feels like it's gotten. Like I'd be on, you know, we went to Windsor, London, you know, towns like that. Yeah. And and I know what those towns are like. I've lived partly... And them, you know, and hung out there for most of my life. I'm like, when the fuck did Ontario turn into Ohio? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then we went to Guelph and was in shock to see it in Guelph too. Be like, someone was like, D- "What do you mean?" I was like, "Well, it looks like Fort Lauderdale." Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know that corner, the corner in Guelph, party corner, puke corner, whatever it's called. Yeah, that would be Ma- McDonnell and Wyndham, kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I fought lots of. Uh, Fought my way through, you know, some frat uh, giants and, you know, mini skirts in a blizzard to get some French fries after a gig. But, uh, like, the last time I was there, you had to walk down the middle of the road. Like, it was like Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Like, just like hundreds, hundreds of of uh, people there for spring break, you know, in, in June. Yeah. Yeah, it is happening. I appreciate what you're saying. What you're describing isn't quite, wasn't on the list of why we moved out of Ontario, but uh, some of that sort of stuff was. Just the vibe felt weird, socio-culturally, politically, and uh, as I've talked about ad nauseum, maybe for some people, the real estate market was prohibitive. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. It was very complicated. Uh, so, yeah, and I, I don't think, Jose, you've known a lot of people in Ontario over your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you sensing a slight 
some sort of exodus? Is it a little bit of an exodus? Absolutely there is, yeah. And I think yeah. it is sort of like the prohibitive real estate, although, you know, none of us can run away culturally from it, uh, you know, and uh, it's coming for you anywhere you are. Yeah. And I think what, what we're experiencing and that I've spoken about in the last few years is like really the end of the 20th century, you know, uh, and uh, such a celebrated like sort of like, I think like the culture itself had convinced itself that it would be, you know, it would be uh, Coca-Cola and McDonald's for the rest of time, you yeah. know, and yeah. uh, the king the king of rock and roll or whatever thing that seemed so important, you know, and so uh, institutional to our inner souls. And it just is not the case, you know. There's lots of beautiful, vibrant people out there who just do not care about whatever was a priority um, 40 mm-hmm. years ago or 30 years ago, which is basically... 30 years ago was the 90s. It's crazy to think about. And um, and then also lots of uh, sort of like culturally devoid people that have no idea what the hell was going on. So we're yeah. seeing the end of yeah. culture and, and what's up for now is up for grabs. Who knows what the spirit of the age is? Yeah. It certainly isn't how cute things were, you know? Um, it That's how it feels. You know, um, while I'm rambling at you, you know, we noticed the other day you know, and I'm, I don't want to talk ad nauseum when when that sort of like la, that a recent uh, sort of like scandal involving uh, the arcade fire happened, right? Yeah, it was around the same time as we found out that the Pageant panel had closed. Uh, that beautiful bookstore on the ground floor of the Toronto Reference Library. Oh, it closed. That, huh. It closed, right? Which was part of the whole Toronto Comic Books Art Fest yeah. festival, and just like I don't know if you're familiar with that store. It uh, was a beautiful, beautiful little place uh, full of graphic novels and interesting books and like, you know, really cute stuffies and like little models, kind of nerdy, not like regular stuffies, but like, you know, if you wanted a stuffy of, you know, like a Totoro or a Milou, mm-hmm, you know, before mm-hmm. like, a, you know, Snowy, before those things were more across the culture. And just it's closing at the same time as that other scandal and a few other things really did feel like, oh, wow, even like that beautiful, hopeful, early Audis vibe of amazing graphic design and, uh, you know, sort of like this, like, very optimistic, you know, there was a, you know, everyone's favorite band was the Unicorns, you know what I mean? Like, like, it just seemed like, oh, wow, that's that's over. Well, I mean, what you're commenting on a little bit is, uh, in some ways, a good resistance of monoculture, but in the other, there's not any one thing anymore. Uh, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, like so, there's nothing to galvanize around. It's really important, or in the current moment, and I think this is a this is an offshoot of the '90s. It's very important to like as many different things and be as open to as many different things as possible. And I think the internet really blew that up uh, on some level. And so this is. I don't mean to take away from the scandals you're talking about because I didn't quite follow mm-hmm. the connection yeah. between the bookstore closing and the arcade fire thing. So there's something going on there. This is sort of like the hopefulness of that era, oh, I the see. early 2000s, yeah. right? Yeah. And like the sort of like innocence and like, wow, there's something more enlightened happening. The internet's actually maybe doing a good thing for everyone. And just seeing those two things die, it just seemed very, seemed timely. Yeah, you know? I see what you're saying now. Okay, well, yeah, I do think we are fractured, right? And it's very hard to... Like when I was a kid, uh, everyone would know, even if you didn't know the music, you would just know certain names. You would know Michael Jackson. You would know Michael Jordan. You would know Mike Tyson. You would know everyone named Mike, basically. <laughs> and everyone would be like, oh, yeah, that I know that Mike. That's different from the other Mike. But now it's I don't even like it's hard. It's very hard to transcend into the sort of zeitgeist and be like, I'm the best at something or I'm that's the one we all agree I guess Beyonce yeah, I or something is kind of close, but not really. Uh, so, no, not, no. yeah, it's very complicated. So, I appreciate all of those things. Uh, we were talking a little bit about Toronto. I feel like Toronto figures heavily on this beautiful new By Divine Right album, uh, which, correct me if I'm mispronouncing this, is it Automato? Yeah. O- okay. Yeah, Automato. Uh, Automato, yeah. yeah. Well, sorry, before we get into Toronto, what, what is the origin of the name even? Um, well, originally we wanted to make a record called Onomatopoeia, mm-hmm. and uh, when the band, you know, we were on a bit of a roll, like in 2014, 2015, 2016, before the cracks sort of appeared, and 
And, um, you know, uh, and so it made sense to make a record called Onomatopoeia that we would just like be able to pull off really quickly, like the way that we were pulling everything off at that point. And then when it didn't work out, it just morphed into something else and then into something else, into something else. And then it more, I felt like near the end of the record, it morphed back into a version of the record we were trying, we're going to make in 2017, Onomatopoeia. And it became, and I was playing with the spelling of Onomatopoeia, like Automatopoeia or like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, auto. And, and it just it became Automato. You know, and it's kind of a f- various jokes inside it. You know, um, I was born in Chile and Chile uh, has a lot of uh, jokes about a guy named Don Otto, Mr. Mm. Otto, mm. who's sort of this, you know, naive and friendly and spaced out and uh, German guy, Otto, who, mm. you know, who kind of like, you know, like every culture makes fun of someone, you know, in, in Canada, we have our, you know, jokes about. And so. Uh, right. Sure. Are we. Yeah, we, uh, said, I remember one time when you said I used the N word in Newfoundland. Oh, did I say that? that? Did I say that yeah, to you? Yeah, I don't remember yeah, because, saying that because we we covered. Uh, I think you put it in a review of our show. Oh, I did. We covered, oh my god! Uh, we, oh no! What we because no, no, no. You did. You did great because we covered uh, that Stomping Tom song, Man Moon Nufi. Right. And you're like that. We ended with a cover of that song, and like that we got that. You know that, that uh, people were so. Uh, uh, happy about it, uh, or whatever that that we got away with using the N word in Newfoundland. Oh, but anyway, so that's pretty. That's not bad. Is that that was just me trying to make a little joke? See that thing? I know. Was it? That was one of those things where I would go to that. So that was at the Lanya Vanya Festival, right? And uh, that's right. I had gotten this habit of I was one of my print assignments was to go places and review things, comedy shows, music shows, whatever, and I would write them on my phone. And I would write them almost instantaneously. It was a different kind yeah. of practice for me. It was very impulsive, instinctual. I would watch the thing. I wouldn't do it during the show, but I would watch the thing. And then as soon as it was done in between bands or whatever, I'd be like, well, I might as well write this little review because it didn't have to be too long. And so I just oh, do, yeah, it. I was- I'd do it and then I'd send it off and it was done. And like that's a lot different than what I used to have to do. Anyway, they were talking. Oh, yeah, it, it was yeah, it was published in the morning. I woke up in the morning; it was already out. I was like, "Hey, we played a nine out of ten show last night. Oh. Thanks, Fish." Oh, did I give it a nine out of ten? That's good. That's a good score. I don't even remember. See, I don't remember any of this. That my point is, it's fleeting. I would the show would happen. I'd write it down. I'd hit send, and then someone like you, years later, still remembers it. And I'm like, "Oh, right. I've done so many of those things. I don't even remember what I said." That's I bad. Well, for us, it was it was yeah. a big deal for us, you know, wow. that that time. We we started, you know, it, it's funny because I always cared about my band and I always gave it everything I've got. And maybe it's just a thing of the despair of getting old and realizing that, you know, like the road's not as long as it is was, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that you things start to mean more and you become, you know, maybe incredibly uncool, uh, become more sincere and more sentimental. But like, though, we were really caring at that point. And I think that's why in 2014, around there, like things like the three of us elevated somehow, you know, yeah. and as humble and as humble and as like eternal sort of like losers that the BDR are, it did not, it stopped mattering because we were elevating you know, in in an emotional sense of what what we were giving to it, yeah. so that's why maybe why we remember that. So, the, anyways, there's an element of that in the automato, that like sort of a reference to like a Chilean joke figure, mm-hmm. like auto, but it's also maybe a tip of the hat to the sort of kraut rock, the sort of Germanesque element of of where all all music is right now, whether you know it or not. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I don't, not everyone that's going. You know, like basically the indie rock beat. Yes. You know, we've been playing it our whole lives. Yeah. Might not have realized just how crowdy we we've been the whole time. You know, so there's that, and then there's the idea of motto being like sort of a personal philosophy or whatever you would describe motto being. Well, it's know? a like it's a fantastic record, and I want to dig into it a little bit with you in a moment. But I want to go back to what you were saying Thanks. about cracks appearing uh, sometime after that Newfoundland show. Cracks appearing. I don't know exactly what that refers well, I mean, to. Why, why why were there cracks? We felt kind of invincible, right? And I certainly did. And uh, I was fooled by being a youthful 45-year-old to thinking that that was going to be the case forever, you know, that I had mm. somehow. And, uh, well, I mean, um, maybe we were parting a little bit harder than we could sustain, you know. I might not be the best 
role model for that. Uh, for years, it seemed like I could party and work and be really efficient. I see. And uh, and then when Jordy, you know, Jordy, what well, is going back to Toronto, sort of uh, realizing that, you know, he just couldn't get a foothold in Toronto, even though mm. he'd been here most of his adult life, you know. And we'd had such a great time in Newfoundland a, a few times that he was like, I'm moving to Newfoundland. Right. And I was like, I was like, totally great. That's totally awesome. We were traveling so much that year. We flew around a whole bunch. We pulled it off with a lot of style, like, you know, like personally, like without being like falling apart everywhere we went, you know, and we always managed to uh, perform well that we thought that won't be a problem for the band. And then Lish moved to Vancouver. And so all of a sudden, literally, my my two bandmates were on opposite sides of the mm, mm. of the country. And I was producing records in Vancouver that year. So it didn't seem like a big deal for me. I was like going back and forth all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so uh, but it it did get in the way, you know, maybe a couple of the opportunities we had to come together and make some music were suddenly kind of like turned into crapshoots by the cracks of which I speak. Yeah. And um, and then we missed a couple of windows to capitalize on that energy from 2016, you know, around the time that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you got us at that show at Hillside, right? Oh, I where, did? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. we were, or at least you pushed for it, right? Where we really shined. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not out to, you know, we don't have an agent, right? We don't have big management at the time. We don't have a label. We don't have anything, right. you know? Um, and it had been decades, you know, that like for us to play a show like that is a big deal. And then for the guys who run the festival being like, well, saying to me, you know, the word is that that was the best, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying, that we did really good at you that did. show. You did, yeah, I do. This and, is all um, coming back to me now. Yeah, I gave a little and, push. Uh, yeah, that's right. And, and, and uh, you guys did play fantastic. That's right. You know, and it, we weren't stressed. There was no stress. It was just like we were just on a roll. So... Um, really just thought that we'd be in a really good place and and, uh, and uh, it was a real surprise when all of a sudden uh, it just seemed like we were starting to crumble sort of as much as we loved each other and it took a long time to make that record to finally be able to get together and make it you know and, and the band that came together to make it was a much much more humble situation I see you know? okay at, at that point, I would have said to you, it's like, we we could back up Nick Cave and he would tell us we were the best afterwards. Yeah. I would have said something like that because that's how it felt at the time. Like, we were like, we we just always got it, you know? Yeah, well, I I hear that confidence on this record, for sure. Uh, there are a number of references to hotels and motels and partying. Uh, it's sort of like a, a band behavior i think uh is that fair do you feel like this is kind of capturing life on the road or something like that uh a little bit yeah i mean you know um i i i like as the uh, the origin of automato being automatopoeia was that it was our record uh that you know uh we were going to play it together it would be the maybe the first record where you know ever all the drums were played by uh, the drummer and all the bass played by the bass player and you know what i mean yeah. like in and um, and where I decided on the the keys of the song so that it was good for me and Lish to sing together and and the grooves being grooves that I would never have to you know occasionally you have a groove where you have to kind of like push your drummer to play something out of their yeah out of their comfort zone and none of that was like that so yeah that was it yeah hundred percent yeah and Toronto I think figures actually before I get to that there's a really uh, I want to point to Saint is it Saint Leon's where you and Lish did this do this really remarkable. It's not even a call and response, like alternate singing of lyrics where like you, that's remarkable. I thought that was really inventive. Very clever. Oh, thank you so much. I, um, I, I did another interview recently where they were like, what's the album that you guys listen to the most? What did were you trying to listen to? And really there was nothing trying to listen to, uh, we wanted to sound like ourselves. That's the whole point. And I mean, you know, it's easy to find out my my uh, in influences that I that I wear no matter what. And uh, well, there's a song. Yeah, I'm glad you like that song. Yeah, no, there. Yeah, that song's great. And then there's songs like there's a song here called "How Soon Is Now," uh, yeah. which for those of us who follow uh, popular music will be like, wait, did they just do the Smith song? Because there's a Smith song, <laughs> very famous Smith song called "How Soon Is Now," and I hear a little bit more. I know he's not like. 
a very well-respected uh, person anymore. But uh, I hear more Morrissey and Smith stuff here. Is that? I don't mean to be like spot the influences, but I don't know. No, like, it's true. Is there, I think this yeah. is a bit. Uh, there is more goth, gothy new wave vibes on this record, and in a way, that's my high school roots. Uh, popping through and uh, I just thought like if the replacements could have a song called Let It Be then I could have a song called How Soon Is Now (laughs) well it's it's that's a wonderful song and then one of the strongest vocal performances of your that I'm familiar with uh, of all your work comes with The Weeping Man I thought and I was uh, you know the song I mean Uh, do you know what I'm Mm -hmm. uh, does that feel like a particularly strong and dynamic vocal for you. I know it's hard to be objective, but it feels like you're doing a lot of different things. It feel it felt pretty magical uh, song once I accepted it. You know, because when I first found that song, I just thought like, oh, I've completely forgotten that it was on my phone, and uh, and I was like, I'll never show anyone this song. But that was like sort of like 2016, and things started getting very weird. I, th- I mean, I think I think all of us like at the end of 2016 was like a gut punch. It sounds our, like it very, very much traumatized you in some ways. Yes, yes. Like, and in my, my, with my, my partner Amy and me and my family, we're uh, my family. We're political refugees. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, you know. But before the coup in Chile, the uh, right wing um, Americans paid for a truckers fake truck strike. Oh, did they? Right. Oh. There was a fake. Oh. Yeah, you know what oh. I mean. Like, so, like, it's like. I think that like uh, the end of 2016 really seemed to pop our bubbles as far as like some – it was hard to be like a sunshiny optimist too much after that, you know. So a song like Weeping Man definitely after a while started to feel more and more real. And like I went from like I'll never sing this song to anyone to like, oh, this is a really important song when I sing it. It's a beautiful song, but I will say – so I was playing it in the kitchen uh, last night uh, as just prepping for our chat and – uh, the the record's been playing throughout the house for a few weeks now, but um, I had it playing, and I was like, "There's really kind of this." Sm-, I was saying to my wife, "It's like a Smiths or '80s kind of vibe here," and she's like, "Well, this this sort of sounds almost like Bono or someone like the just the cooing and the the richness of the you know whatever." Bono was a good singer, and uh, he could do lots of different things with his voice. And I don't know if that guy or that band you two means anything to you, but it reminded me of that a little bit too. And wow, cool! I mean, that's a—I'll take it as a compliment. I'm not a huge Bono fan. No, well, it's hard but, to be. Um, it's definitely hard to be. But but he can do stuff. He he's <laughs> long been able to do. Every once in a while, I think about these scrappy bands that got together, and then it turns out the singer can really, really, really sing uh, in terms of like. They can do like stuff that you would associate with like opera or crooning or, yeah. you know, and you're just like, what the hell? Like, it's just this random, it seems random when they tell the story. Oh, yeah, I had a, I had a poster up in the music store saying musicians wanted, I play drums or whatever. And you're like, really? And then, the, you, or Paul Westerberg, like, you're just like, holy shit. Like, that's your singer? Like, how the hell these untrained singers always mystify me? Anyway, all I'm getting at is that's a really remarkable performance and it does... Seem to call back to as I go through the record, like, and then the next song, by the way, for those who haven't heard the record yet, is called Smokies and Cannonballs. And I don't know if this will, how this will rub your rhubarb, Jose, but uh, a little bit of Steve Miller band, a little bit of Steve Miller band coming through on that oh, one. I, I love that. I, I, I didn't know, please rub my rhubarb. <laughs> you know, I didn't know, I didn't know, uh, I, you know, that song, Smokey, started out as a country song, and then we we were like, how can we play this in the BDR so we just sped it up, and then it yeah. turned into a rock and roll song. Well, it totally has that, do you, do you, now that I've said it, can you objectively feel a little Steve Miller band vibe there? You know, I'd have to find out what Steve Miller does, you know, I mean, I know uh, he's a midnight toker, and I've certainly been there, but... uh cool. You know, uh, one of the things I was going to uh, say about which is so funny, you know Scott Shopkeeper from Guelph? Mm-hmm. He at one point referred to me as a crooner, as a compliment, right? And I loved it. It cracked me up. I think that my vocals got damaged at one point, and I used to be able to sing full voice a lot oh. easier. Yeah. But I had laryngitis like three times because of my kids, like oh, around, oh, like in the last, like 2018, around there. And then, so now it's hard for me to sing full voice all the time. Hmm. So I kind of used, I discovered this shelf in my voice 
and it feels good to sing there, but it is kind of croony in it. It's funny. Uh, it, it really like it's it's not like just so people understand, it's not like super clean or super uh, cloying or pandering. It's just a very. Uh, it's interesting that you say you can't sing in full voice because. This is a, one of the most like this is one of your richest vocal performances. This record, I think, um, and it, it shows Thanks, it shows your range in ways and really wonderful lyrics as well. And and you know again very catchy problems of the professional in a way. Not a lot of lyrics, but you really hit that you know profit from my mistakes gets in my head, which is kind of like it's not even really. I guess it's the chorus. It's just like this hook. And it gets in my head, and you're still like just—it's remarkable. All I'm getting at is, really wonderful record all, all around, and it's got a lot of range to it, a little haze to it though too. And I don't know where that—that's just your recording style, I think. We're hazy. We're—it's ambient. It's a little auto motto, you know. It's definitely <laughs> there, and uh, you know, I—I I love Prince too, and I've always added like psh and to like snares. Yes, yes, exactly. And this, yes. this record has a lot of. Psh yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah no it's it's a really like it definitely the whole record has a vibe if you've got it on uh it's you you're feel you feel like you're in a particular place if that makes sense place and time so I, I appreciate that now i've been trying to talk about toronto a few different times and i keep getting sidetracked by my own questions this feels a like also i mentioned the partying and the hotels and motels and there's a reference to calgary and uh you know like a bit of travel going on uh, but is this a, for you? Is this a particularly Toronto-centric record in in other ways? You know, uh, it's a record that comes from my garage. Mm. You know, which is where I'm sitting right now, and this is where we made the record. And and it's pretty humble. You know, like I live in on St. Clair West. I'm no longer attached to the town uh, the way one would have been. Uh, and uh, and the beginning of this. You know, like when it was the record was on a monopia, we were traveling tons, and I would have thought that by 2022, who knows where I would have been or where we would have been, but it didn't work out that way. So, like the Toronto aspect of it is is, is kind of just sort of like very like okay, well, what have we got left from all these crumbled pieces? Well, we've got ourselves, we got each other, and we got this garage, you know. Yeah. And uh, so maybe that's a sort of the Toronto vibe, you know, like. And like my garage is really great, like it's insulated, and I got a piano and beautiful equipment and stuff. But uh, in that sense, it's pretty Toronto. You know, I feel very Toronto too, but that doesn't mean that I feel a ton of kinship with what is the majority of what might be considered Toronto culture right now, mm. which to me feels pretty mall mall culturey, right? Not mass produced, not Jersey Shore like Guelph. Wait, which one was Jersey Shore? Was Toronto also Jersey Shore? Toronto's kind of everywhere is Jersey Shore, yeah. but like yeah, Toronto's definitely Jersey Shore. I just the Guelph. I was trying to describe to someone what the sidewalk was like at that corner. It's like Fort Lauderdale, where you're yeah. like, I'm fighting my way through like 80 mini skirts into like the walls of like 100, you know, like body lip builders. <laughs> Well, you you know, given your sort of longevity and your trajectory, I think you as a creative person have lived through these weird cycles where mm -hmm. live music is really live, I guess, guitar oriented music in particular comes in and out of vogue. It's often replaced by vapid stuff uh, or dance culture. You know, the famous thing in the 90s was all the rock clubs became like dance clubs. Yeah, it was over. It would seem to be over. over. Do you have a... 95. Yeah, exactly. And it was, and I have theories about this. I think I think Kurt Cobain's uh, suicide was so depressing uh, for yeah. so many people. And even the club owners are like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Let's go back to disco, uh, you know? And, and <laughs> let's just try to have some fun. Like, what the hell is going on over with these people and their music? So I think that happened, but then it swung back around in the early 2000s. I don't want to give a rudimentary uh, rock music uh, history 101 class during this podcast, but all I was going to get to is you mentioned sort of deteriorating things going on in various cities in Ontario. Do you have a perspective on where music like the music you make kind of sits right now in terms of appreciation? Because I know you play shows, people come out. But do you have like an overarching like are things okay? Are things healthy for the kind of indie rock, if you will, that you make, or is it 
still fighting the club people. It sounds like it's some combination of the both, but what do you think? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I, I uh, was horribly un... Uh, uh, you know, I, I'd never had any, like, tons of... I was an, not a very ambitious young person, and not because I didn't have ambitions or hope, but I was never like, and I'm going to be famous, and I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that was never in my my plans. I just wanted to have a, a nice time and have a cool guitar <laughs> uh, and, and, and a nice girlfriend, and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Eat guacamole. Uh, and, uh, so I'm not going to stress too hard, but yeah, like, no, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I worry for young people sometimes, you know, my, my son is in a, playing in a band right now and, or even like young people that I've recorded that were like, say 25 years ago, that kind of thing. And wondering about, is there a scene for these people? Is there somewhere for them to go? Right, because you remember in Toronto there was a point where I I'd go to a show every night. Yeah. I'd go to two yeah. sh- two shows every night. Yeah, and there was always something happening, and there was always people there, so you could go and hang out, and it was like vibrant, and you'd end up at people's places, and music was happening. And I'm just hopeful that that is happening in some capacity, and I think that it is. Like my my son and his friends, they're like 16, 17. They um they're definitely passionate about music. And they're passionate about the bands they love, and they love a lot of most of the same bands we love. Yeah, you know what I mean. You might just as likely to hear whatever uh, car seat headrest or like you know, um, heaven knows I'm miserable now. Yeah, you know, yeah. like they love, they love, they know all the good shit. Yeah. So I'm hopeful that it's there. Uh, I think like if it's like trying to look at a mass market, I don't necessarily, I don't always follow it. But you know, when people are like, oh, uh, at some point when they're like. I imagine Dragons just won the best rock band award, you know, like that. Yeah. So I guess that's the end of, I guess that's the end of rock music. Right. Well, I guess like things have been pretty, like, you know, by the late 80s, early 90s, it was already what, like, if it's popular, it must be shitty. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I've always felt that way, you know, like my, one of my greatest heroes is Sid Barrett, and nobody knows really too much about Sid Barrett outside of like very nerdy circles. Mm-hmm. And he, and he'll never be popular. Mm-hmm. So, so then it's not really any of my business. Well, I don't even mean popularity. I just mean sustain- yeah. sustainability. You, sustainability. Yeah, you, I'm, I got very lucky. Yeah. I'm very lucky that my trip is, you know, like I made a record. We have no structure. The fact that Fortune Stellar, that Andrew and Shiloh came forward saying, we love your band. We love your record. We know your discography. We see who you are. We want to put this out. I mean, that's a miracle. Yeah. I've never, I've never made money for anybody. You know what I mean? So, like, I need angels. Yeah. Without the angels, there's no by divine right. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I think, uh, and I appreciate that for sure. You know, uh, I was looking at the uh, the track listing in front of me here and thinking of all these great songs like East Side Anthem, which gets in my head, Credible Groove there, uh, or uh, Thanks, we were talking Rich. about uh, St. Leon's or Middle March, Moon Jams. What I'm getting at is four minutes plus. A lighter, five minutes and 19 seconds. A lot of stretched out songs here. 14 songs, 58 minutes. Uh, that's long these days. That's d- it that's, is. that's double vinyl territory. Uh, and it is double vinyl, yeah. And is this actually out on vinyl right now? Uh, it, it, is, it isn't quite out yet. We were going to get them last week and this week, and then the, there was a misprint where they missed one of the sides or blank. So we're going to get them next week or the week after. Oh, okay. It is double vinyl. And this record definitely is like, that shows you how far we lost the plot a little bit. Although, you know, the band that was touring in 2015, 2016, 16, 15, around there, it was had turned into a thing where we could just make jam for a long time and people in the audience would be into it. So we just would jam, yeah, right? Yeah. And it was good. Yeah. Our songs were long. So when we went in to make this record, that was it. But we did kind of lose the plot a little bit as far as like the kind of like, you know, advice I would give bands that I was producing, which is like, yeah, definitely go long on this. Or, you know what? This song's worth it to figure out the shorter version because it'll fit really well. And, you know, it's very uh, unedited record. Uh, everything's long form yeah. on this. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, with the intro of a song like The Volcano is like whatever. 15 reps mm-hmm. you know it's, it's not even 12 or 16 it's just like there's three riffs you know that kind of thing um i think that the next thing that we're working on is going to be like 
a more, much more um, like a, like truffles, like little flavor bomb. <laughs> okay, yeah. So you're you are sort of conscientious and conscious of the fact that this is a this is a, a little bit of a sprawl on some level. It's a sprawl. Yeah. It really is. And and uh, and we knew we were getting into that. You know Matt Charlton? Yeah, of course. The, the, the uh, guy Charlton. from, uh, he used to, uh, does he still run that Pigeon Row publicity Pigeon thing? Pigeon Row, he does. Yeah. He's, yeah, yeah. And, he make, and he's, in, he's got his, his uh, so many uh, projects on the go and he's doing all these wonderful yeah, things. Yeah, that's why I was like, I know Matt and I know what he's done, but I feel like, like he's, I, I was just looking at this the other day. Some years ago, he started some Instagram account and followed me. So I followed it back because I like Matt. And I looked at it and it has been inactive since he started it. And I don't know yeah. what it is. I don't even know He's what probably, it is. Like a green screen a, thing or something. I don't know what it is. He does like so many television and film projects. And he still like does live videos for people and promo. But yeah. um, I sent him the record at one point And I was like, you know, what do I do? And he right away he was like, this is a wonderful record. And I'm like, should we edit it down? He's like, I came up with this track listing, and I don't think you need to cut it down. And he he made the track listing for the record. Oh, he sequenced the record? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so grateful that he did, because uh, that's what we play live now. And mm-hmm. we had no idea that there was a story. And half of the songs we would have, like, we were considering chopping, right, to make a single record. So and, uh, th- that's, that's, that's really a nice testament and, and a compliment to Matt. But you said he saw a story there that you didn't recognize. As you ponder the the sequence now, and the order you, it sounds like you've even been playing them this way live. What to you is the ultimate? St- I've been kind of bouncing around what I think is going on on various songs. Uh, is there an overarching story to Automato that you can talk about? I don't know. I don't know that there is. I could I could tell you that uh, five years ago I thought that my life was going to be a lot more traveling and playing and maybe a couple more records in the can, another solo record, another another BDR record, maybe another Heat Death record with Shotgun Jimmy, a lot more. Mm-hmm. And in the end, this uh, the, this record ended up being a little bit more of an admission of, uh, of like not having an endless amount of, of, of energy and, and chutzpah or whatever it is, like a, non, a non-ending amount of that I can't stay awake for four days in a row anymore the way I used to be able to. But also just how much I needed to have. Like it was just a very domestic period in my life. Mm-hmm. And certainly the pandemic helped with that. But it just ended up that like the most important thing that happened in the last five years was making a beautiful, calm, cozy home with Amy and my kids. And and I think that was became high priority for Lish and Jordy. And even though I'm older than Lish and Jordy, our energy levels are very matched, you know. And I think that for all three of us, the priority was like, oh, it's actually time to heal, get our feet back on the ground, and get all domestic. And 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 maybe that record reflects a little bit of like sort of like the looking at all the madness that's happened and just kind of healing. And it's trippy. It's a trippy record, you know. And well, I mean, some of us have had, uh, you might have had more of it, like microdosing normalcy again since the pandemic yep. uh, came. And then that usually manifests itself in doing some traveling or touring if you're a band. Um, I've done a little bit of it, and I feel like it just heightened what I liked about, what I liked learning, rather, about the pandemic was I don't actually mind stillness. No. Um, I, I, I don't mind resting a little bit. I don't mind being at home with my family. Um, no, it's the best. I, 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 I quite like it. Is uh, and I didn't maybe I took that for granted until I had no choice in the matter. And now I'm having trouble going back to the way it was because I've actually like this is more comfortable. I'm not rushing around. I'm not you know trying to get on an airplane or and burning gasoline and killing the earth. You know, like yeah. I I have that vibe still, and I'm having trouble shaking it. Have you had any of that? Definitely. Yeah. It needs to be worth it. We're we're no, we're no longer partying, you know, and and uh, we're on time for everything now. We're yeah. on time, and yeah. immediately after sound check, we go back to our hotel and have a nap. I got band yeah. nap, you know, and then we get ready and go to the show, you know. And Everything's more civilized. We just learned to be a little more civilized and more less calm, rushy. Yeah. yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I, I think I think this. I hope this will have some sort of long lasting impact. But I I'm not 
back at it yet in terms of rushing around. I'm still hustling, but from here. And I don't mm-hmm. mind that. And I, it feels civil. That's all I, I want to say about that. Now, speaking of civil civilization and people who are civil, Shotgun Jimmy, you alluded to. Jimmy actually appears on this record, right? Yeah, yeah, he absolutely does. Of course. Yeah. He's really kind important to me. Almost like a character, like I feel like, like a well, voice. Well, so funny. Yeah, at the end of that song, we had the end of this song that used to have, you know, a lot more other stuff on it, like strings and stuff like that. And I was like, Jimmy, rip a solo at the end of this song, as if like you've been on tour with us hmm. and you've heard us do this song like 10 times and you finally went, fuck it, I'm going to grab a guitar and play something really loud over this quiet ending. And instead, he mailed me, he sent me back this sort of like a voice memo almost, or like this sort of like him singing about a gentle part about going downtown to to buy a piano. And if I would meet him there with my van and help him take the piano down the stairs and load it into the van, right? Yeah, yeah. I could start, when I talk about Jimmy, I could start crying, right? I know I embarrass him a little bit, especially if I talk <laughs> about him when he's there at a show. I like tear up and it's like, sorry. But um, he's a very uh, yeah. sweet guy. Yeah, yeah, he's a beautiful uh, friend, and um, yeah, isn't that? A, I love that part, and it's a little bit of the heat death sprinkle in a BDR record. Yes, um, the heat death being our our little side project, and uh, and yeah, I love that part. And then he also left me a couple of voice memos over the years, which you know he's so hilarious, right? So he leaves this message saying like, "But hey, put me on your album." Yeah. You know, I'm singing on your Instagram machine. And it's like, should probably be track 15 on the new BDR. Shooting star, come on, buddy, you know who you are. You know who I am. Put me on your album. Anyways, um, and sure enough, it is track 15. Yeah. Like he, like he it's fucking It's like knew. it was meant to be. Yeah, no, there's some lovely little moments like that on this record. And uh, I just wanted to highlight that because I... Found Jimmy's appearance. It's kind of spooky. Sorry, what song is it again that he's on? He is comes it... in at the he comes in at the end. That the part where he's singing is at the end of Middle March. Middle March. That's correct. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, it's almost like a ghostly Sinatra thing or something at the end. It's really lovely, and uh, yeah, I like it. So I just wanted to highlight that. Um, so Jose, we've talked about this record. Uh, we've talked about its girth, the fact that it's a double vinyl. Where can people go to learn more about Automato and By Divine Right? You know, I'd like to apologize to all the people that care about my band who are always like, uh, your website hasn't been updated in a decade. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of those notes or like a lot of like, I love this song, but I can't find it anywhere. And I'm really sorry I haven't been more adept at keeping up with all that. And I've tried over the years, you know, I've, but uh, it's hard to get a decent website. Uh, right now, the thing that's updated the most is the Fortune Stellar website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the artist page on the Fortune Stellar website, which we have a link to on our Instagram for people that are kind of paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than that, I guess you can do good luck to you. <laughs> Google, <laughs> you know, I, I was Google just, by Divine Right, I think is what we're saying. I was just, I was in the States and uh, recently and um, really fortunate to have some friends down there and realized when I was down there that our record, uh, our two records that were out on network in the late 90s aren't available in the States. They're not on Spotify or Bandcamp down there. And I didn't know that there was a different Spotify and Bandcamp. Those records are up here Hmm. online, but they're not down there. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it is. That's odd. And we don't own those records Uh because we, we, you know, matured under a different model of the industry than the rest (laughs) of the indie indie rockers. I bet uh, if you gave them money, you could probably get them back is the deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If if I could get them to answer an email. Oh, yeah. That's a real bummer, man. Okay. Well, I don't want to end this on a bummer. I just wanted... No, of course not. I'll link to all the stuff that I can. Uh, in the yeah, podcast, fortune, stuff. the Fortune Stellar. Yeah, uh, I think it may be Fortune Stellar, FortuneStellarRecords.com, probably under the artist page. Okay, we'll have links to, and then uh, Bandcamp, the By Divine Right Bandcamp has stuff like probably like five or six of our records up there. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah. Okay, so we'll send people there, and like I say, I'll link to stuff in the podcast description. If we can go out on a song from this record. Can you pick one for us, Jose, and, and tell us why you chose it? Oh, heck. Vish, don't put me on the spot. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a great dancer, but I, <laughs> I don't... I don't an- my vocabulary fails me often. Well, well I don't know. I, 
I um I love this record. I do. You know, I'm also embarrassed of it and shy of it. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so I. I, I don't know. I really like the volcano. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. Uh, and uh, it used to be called the Cure for very obvious reasons. Yes, there's some. Go- yes, as we've alluded to, there's some sort of '80s goth new wave thing happening, and uh, I assume that's why it was called the Cure. Yeah, yeah. I I also name checked the band in the band, in the, and it's just a cool. Uh, it was probably the first song that the three of us were like, "This is going to be good." Okay. Well, let's go out on that. Why not? I think that's a good call. Let's do it. This is The Volcano by By Divine Right from their beautiful new album, Automoto. Jose, I love you very much. I appreciate this time. Love you too, Vish. And I, I wish you the best of luck in the future, and I hope I see you soon. Me too. We're actually going to be touring out west in the spring. Oh, hooray. March, March, uh, maybe I'll be uh, comfortable leaving my house, and I'll go see you. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're playing. We're playing Edmonton. Believe it or not, we're nice. drive the, driving the van across Canada one more time. All right, listen. You good luck on the trip. On the trip, I mean. And uh, yeah. I hope. I hope I see you soon. Yeah, you too. Lots of love to you and to everyone.
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, that was nice. It was nice to have Jose back on the old show. Jose, thank you for being on this. The 700... And 21st episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and should be available wherever you get your podcasts, except for that one place where I took I took the show off. It, was, it caused quite a bit of a hullabaloo. You remember that? Took the show off the one place and then I got like articles and like the national broadcaster want to talk to me. Then they want to talk. They want to talk to you when you take your show off of a thing, not about the show. Well, sometimes they also want to talk to me about the show. Everything's going well. Anyway, if you want to learn more about me, and uh, fi- you know, find old episodes of the show and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. Also, like Creative Control on Facebook if you so desire. Follow uh, me and the show on Twitter at vishcreative or follow just me on Twitter and on Instagram at vishkana. I don't know which of the two me's is more interesting. I some- I'm forgetting. I don't know. I can't tell you. I think maybe this is more interesting. I don't think I'm that interesting. Visit uh, patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation if you can, please. $6 or more a month grants you access to extra special exclusive content and you get the episodes a little bit earlier than everybody else if I am able to get them done in time. And if you're interested in receiving a creative control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. Uh, $6 is the, uh, the thing that gets you all those perks and frills. Uh, but you can donate any amount you want. You can do less than $6, you can do more, and you can change it at any time. It's very flexible, suits your needs and interests. So again, visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol if you like the show and like to see it continue and like to contribute something in that regard. It would mean a lot. It does mean a lot. Thank you. Speaking of thanking people and things, I want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario. And Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this particular show. Thanks, as always, to uh, Jim Guthrie for lending me some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with uh, Jose from By Divine Right. You should check out uh, Automato. It's great. Great record. I love Jose. I love By Divine Right. And uh, so go see them and listen to their music. Also, please uh, subscribe to this podcast and follow it. And most importantly, tell your friends, your friends who are losers and aren't doing this yet. That was mean. I don't think your friends are losers. They're they're friends with you. How can they be losers? Anyway, all I was getting at is if they don't like the show as much as you, I think you're better than them. This is taking a turn. Tell your friends about the show. Spread the word about it. That means a lot. I'm going to go. I feel like I've said some stupid things and I want to stop. I'll talk to you later. I'll be your friend. I'm not a loser. Well, maybe. Bye for now.